Hello, and welcome to After Hours with your host, Amanda Hamilton. After Hours is a platform for conversations with some of Canada's most dynamic creative entrepreneurs. Driven by open, honest conversations, we dig into what makes businesses survive and thrive, giving you tactical insights and takeaways to fuel success, create enduring rituals, and, well, crush it in life and business. Fellow interior designer Jennifer Mahalko joins us today on the podcast as we discuss the intersection between creativity and business and how to build community in all of our entrepreneurial experiences. We discuss the intention behind her expansion into fashion and the latest evolution of her brand environment and how she navigates between these two entities. I'm super excited to have you because, of course, um, Not only are you a lovely friend, um, but you're also in my world, you know, the creative world. And so we're going to dig into that um, a little bit more today. But, you know, I want to start a little bit first with with environments and parts and labor so that people know what it is, first of all, what parts and labor is for you, what environments is for you, and then also what sort of came naturally. I mean, you've been through a couple of iterations with your sort of creative adventures. And I want to hear a little bit more about that and why you're doing what you're doing. It's so funny when you start to count back, because I feel like I don't feel as old as I actually am. (laughs) And when you say (laughs) over 15 years in the design industry, I'm like, wow, has it really been that long? And when I was prepping to chat with you, and just in conversation, we're actually launching our website in the next week here for environments. And after 15 years of being a designer and working as a designer, I have never had a website. Amazing. Never had that's, that's, any kind of social media or not wow. with that in that business. So it's been a real journey this last year, kind of doing the rebrand and merging my interior design business with my fashion label. And I mean, it's unearthed a lot of things in me and in both businesses um, and shifted how, I de- how I've defined both businesses really and how I want to show up. Um, in my last 40 years here on the, or more on the planet. So yeah, I mean, I, I started my design career doing a lot of work. I worked at a gallery and design studio, um, custom furniture. And when I first moved to Calgary, really didn't know any, I was so green and also so um, ambitious and eager to learn and dive in. And I remember the first interview that I had with the, the company that I worked for for many years. Um, my second interview with the owner was, "Well, you're either going to sink or swim, so let's see how you do." <laughs> you and it sounds job. like it sounds like you swam, and like me, there was probably a little bit of treading water where you're like, "I'm getting really tired. I might drown, but I still have my nose just barely above the waterline." Yeah, totally. So, and it talk to yeah. me a little bit. I, I want to know a little bit too about parts and labor. I mean. Yeah. So environments is, is sort of, um, in my understanding is your, it's, it's your relaunch of your design business. Um, but parts and labor is a fashion brand. And I'd really love to understand how the two of those complement each other, you know, and then also, I guess, where they differentiate, you know, why did you decide to go down a road that is, is actually quite different, right? When we launched parts and labor, it was being in the movement community and having these two two passions, this movement and connection to energy and um, a spiritual practice, essentially, and, and doing that with uh, with an in-community. And then my interior design business, and they sort of felt like for many years, they were going in really opposite uh, directions. When we started Parts and Labor, that really was 
as you mentioned, the pairing of the two things that I love the most, movement and all of the beautiful design details and tangible things that I really love and style and expression and curiosity and um, how we show up in the world. And so with parts and labor, having my interior design business for so many years, facilitating work for other designers, working and collaborating with other designers, working for people, and then shifting that focus to working for myself, but still always getting pulled into contract work to help brands tell their story and to like figure out mm-hmm. where, what I could complement in, in their business and how I could help their designers and their, um, their storytellers essentially with their clients. And so with parts and labor, and at that point, what was called found design, really, be, I felt pulled in two totally different directions and felt like I needed to merge after 15 plus years of honing who I was as a, as a designer. Mm-hmm. But really for other people, I realized how much I needed and wanted to really soulfully pair the two things that I love the most. I want to talk a little bit about your experience with movement. I got one of your emails. Uh, I think it was a week ago. You guys were sort of celebrating the past of where you've come from. And mm. for those people that that don't know your experience, I mean, I want you to talk a little bit more about um, the business venture that you had with respect to movement and why you were so passionate about that and and how you came through it. Because I feel like you talked about it so beautifully in this in this email you sent out, really talking about the the history and evolution um, of you as a designer and a creative, as well as parts and labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that interesting how I know Amanda, you and I have talked about this before, how we're sort of at that stage in life where it's like, we're just getting started, but mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, who I was and and what I thought I had established. If I wasn't there, that was it. Like what I what I had defined as, you know. So I mean, the the business venture that we had that we were partners in really was just that. It was this big build up to years of traveling, traveling and living all over the world, seeing how important and necessary and pivotal movement was to me with how I would arrive and land in these new cities and not be able to speak the language or know anyone, but I could go to a yoga class. I could go to a spin class. I could go to the gym and move my body just like anybody else in those spaces would move move their body. So it was my way of connecting in those communities. Mm. And so when we came home, you know, we had this big file of, you know, this is one day what we want to do is own a studio space where we are, Catalyst in community where we are sharing our love of movement um, and eventually our love of tangible things and how that aligns and is complementary, right? Yeah. Um, we basically dreamed and schemed um, this business concept, ended up pulling the trigger with several partners um, yes. and just, you know, got, got, I think, down intuitively. I, to be honest, I'll share that from the very first conversation, I had this like visceral gut feeling, gut feeling. That, it, yeah. that it wasn't, that it wasn't, it, it just didn't feel connected. And because I'm such an emotional human and, and a personal value and a business value is connection. And so because I wasn't feeling that, I just thought, you know, it's business. I don't have to feel, I discounted my feelings, which is, yeah, the my biggest word of advice for sure is to trust your guts. 
Isn't that so interesting how mm -hmm. we, we, we can always look back in these moments where you're like, you just had this like spidey sense. It's like this tingle in your gut where you're like, I just know that this isn't the right fit or it's not the right feeling or something is off. And how many times, you know, have you said, I'm not going to ignore this. And yet we continue to do it. I mean, I think we learn as we go on and we learn in different instances, but there's still moments where I like, even, you know, in the last like month for me, I, I, I engaged in a business relationship that um, ultimately was not a good gut feeling. And of course it didn't end well. Right. And it's funny how often we just decide to ignore those things. Mm. And I think it's a lot of, of that desire to like, what if I miss out? What if I don't, this is an opportunity that I might miss something. Or what if I'm wrong? Like what totally. if I'm wrong? Yeah. And, and, and those instances happen too. Like uh, I remember I almost didn't take a meeting about six, eight weeks ago. And um, had I not taken the meeting, I wouldn't have had this incredible client we have right now, which has now turned into um, a huge source of inspiration for our entire team and multiple projects. So it's, it's, such, a, it's such a strange thing to, to be able to measure and to be able to lean on. And I think you hone and sort of distill your ability to know, you know, coming out of reaction, I suppose, has been my, the thing that I keep coming back to is like, take a second take another breath, take a beat, you know, yeah. you don't need to answer right now. This is not do or die, right? Nobody has a gun to your head saying you've got to choose right now. Yeah. And that's just, I guess that's the power of choice and making the right choices or the wrong ones and then learning from them and never doing mm -hmm. them again. <laughs> so, so what did you learn from that experience? I mean, I'm sure you have some things to say. I mean, you know, you learned from, from your, that gut feeling, but also partnerships and, and just from the experience as a whole, what, what was like the biggest takeaway for you from that? Mm -hmm. I think for me, I mean, clear definition of expectations, mm -hmm. um, clear definition of why, you know, or, or a clear understanding of why we all started and, and an understanding and knowing that when times get rough or shit gets crazy, you can always come back to that beacon because that's, well, you know, there's growth and change in between. You can always, should always be able to come back to that one reason about, of why you started. And so when there's disagreement or, or misalignment in that, mm -hmm you know, those are red flag things. So I think that clear expectation on where you're headed and that you're all headed in the same direction where while you might have different strengths, I think also respect and honoring those strengths as much as you respect and honor people's weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. and the things that they're not the best in the world at. Yeah, just so many, so many, gosh, so many little lessons, but most of all, yeah. you know, without regret too, right? Like that. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying about expectations because isn't that isn't that always the case? I think in general, and this this is this is true for personal relationships, business relationships, um, the relationships with our family members. It is often comes down to expectations. It's it's uncommunicated uh, uncommunicated expectations, unmet expectations, disillusionment around expectations. One person is expecting and thinking and feeling one thing, and another person may not have any idea what those things are. And so it kind of comes down to the, the communication of expectations, doesn't it? A hundred percent. I just, yeah. um, I read this quote from Joni Mitchell the other day that said, the most important thing is to write in your own blood. I bear intimate feelings because people should know how other people feel. And while 
I think there needs to be boundaries around sharing intimate feelings. I also mm-hmm. believe that there's beautiful growth and connection that happens in, in all of our relationships, business and otherwise, because we've been able to share and create, not only create space for people to share and to be seen, but also to be, you know, held in that space on the flip side too, you know? Yeah, it's important. absolutely. Important. Yeah. So I guess going back, you know, from, from my tangent here, I want to, I want to understand too, why did you choose to make environment a sub brand of parts and labor? Why not make it its own complete separate entity? That is a really good question. So <laughs> uh, right before lockdown, March, 2020, I attended an emotional intelligence retreat with this incredible businesswoman from Vancouver um, with a couple of dear friends of mine, one of which actually took me through a brand strategy and brand discovery um, process through those first few months um, in the Zoom room for like hours on end. And I think in that moment for me, I knew that I didn't want to give up my career in interior design, I knew that something had to give and that it just, it just wasn't, I was feeling really ignited by parts and labor and really successful on my, on the interior design side, but not ignited as I was when I first started. So Mm -hmm. I just had to dig deep and kind of figure out where the record was on, was just like on skip, you know, the same mm-hmm. things were happening and the same feelings were coming up in in the business. And I was just feeling kind of, yeah, deflated, I suppose. So in in sitting with somebody that you really respect to do a deep dive into business and a woman that also could really see, I think, over the span of the last couple of years where I was headed and what I wanted to do with parts and labor. I mean, the brand values are the same. The intention is existing for catalysts in discovery and empowering people to make intentional choices and to choose for themselves and to create for themselves and to, yeah, get get vulnerable with what they want and to get curious about why they desire things, you know, to ask, to find Mm -hmm. growth in those things. It, It just, it happens. It's not just for me, it wasn't just, okay, this can operate over here as our spaces and this can operate over here as a fashion label. And in fact, in our brand's values um, and vision for parts and labor, which we established, you know, five years ago, it was to be the experiential brand that ignites curiosity and creates creates environments that spark growth, connection, mm-hmm. confidence, purpose, and positivity. And in looking back at that vision and knowing that that's exactly what I wanted to do and and intuitively was have been doing for a number of years yeah. in the interior design industry but really not flexing that muscle in the same you know not putting i think enough intention and meaning behind it or being afraid of what would people think in the design community if i was just if my take on things was just a little bit different you know i i, I would definitely want to dig into that a little bit later because you and i have some some similarities there and and we will we will talk about that just this sort of like um, merging of of the creative arts, I think, with the business side of things. So I so I do want to chat about that. But I guess you know some of the challenges that that I deal with, I'm sure you deal with when you're trying to run multiple companies. You know what what tools or techniques do you use um, to make sure that each of these brands is running efficiently? Do you approach them from the same sort of um, 
do you approach them from the same way? Do you do you have different sort of mandates? Do you have different staff? You know, do you have different meetings? Like, how does it work? Or are these two brands because they're so intertwined? Are they really talked about in a way where they're really under sort of one umbrella? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean the the to say that there is a a method or a uh, you know when people ask me what percentage of your time or like what days are you, it's really just the most beautiful <laughs> chaos, <laughs> I yeah. guess. I mean, we're getting better now, but as you know, with with growth, we've um, we've experienced exponential growth on both sides in the last several months. Um, and April was our like deep dive month into missed opportunities and challenges, and mm-hmm. um, where we're having overlap and where we need, you know, where we're seeing places and spaces that can be filled with new team members and establishing what that looks like and getting that framework sort of in place our whole team I mean I'm just so proud there it's just they're a bunch of unicorns truly (laughs) because it's like today we're gonna do this and do you know how to do this okay well today we're gonna build this new website like we're doing everything internally with our team we're very I mean we have a few key players that we um and experts that we outsource things to but we just have a team of really dedicated really talented women that also are equally as ambitious and equally as mm. crazy, maybe. <laughs> well, I think I think what you're talking about is so true in general for creative industries, and and of course, uh, when we're talking about and and you know this is what we're talking about is vertically stacking our businesses, especially in a creative industry. I I feel like people have to wear many hats, and when you're vertically stacking your business, people have to wear many hats because. This means that there are these sort of sub brands that you create and they may not be these whole other entities that require a whole other staff, whether um, whether it's because your own staff can manage the workload or because financially that doesn't make sense or strategically that doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, you're talking about these magical unicorns and it, it's sort of true because when you're, you know, boutique size, it's like you could show up on any given day and you know, you've got somebody running around doing errands and then they're on the computer doing creative work and then they're posting on social and then they're, you know, they're getting their hands dirty, you know, setting up for um, some sort of, you know, charity event or whatever. I mean, it could be any number of things. And like you said, these people have to be in a capacity where they're so passionate about their work. They they obviously believe in you. They believe in the companies um, that they're willing to sort of have these types of days where they have to be incredibly flexible, super adaptable. Um, you have to be passionate about your work. Otherwise, I don't think you can do those things. Mm, you're so right. It's it's so true. And I think what we've recognized in the sort of the deep dives that we've done this month to mm-hmm. look into those missed opportunities or things that we're doing that feel and are working really well is that key person that's missing to kind of like anchor us all. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's definitely been um been on my radar for a long time. But like you said, when there's you know, financially, you're not sure if it's a big risk and are, are we ready to take it? Do Can we take that next step? And then if we don't take ne- that next step, what is the greater risk? Yeah. So for us, it's just been um, getting somebody in to look from the inside out at strategizing from a little more grounded perspective mm-hmm. and from that business, that business side, right? That business lens that uh, creatives often are it that's a bit foggy 
you know? Yeah, it, it sort of leads into the other topic I wanted to discuss with you is, is I think that there is this balance be, between, uh, uh, well, there's a, there's a balance between being a creative and being a business owner. And I think, you know, historically, there has been a lot of, st- you know, starving artists. And I know for myself, I went to school for fine arts, and that was my strength. And um, I, I decided early on that I was like, I don't want to be a starving artist because that's what the world told me going into a creative profession was going to look like. And sadly, it still actually does look like that for many people today. Um, creative people are asked more than any other profession often to do things for free, right? Create a logo for me for free. Come photograph my event for me for free. Hey, can you just come in stage and style this this whatever for me for free. And it, it there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of time and hours behind the scenes. And, and I think, you know, the other part is there's this fear of this idea of selling out. So when you become successful as a creative person, you see this in the music industry all the time, right? It's like, oh, you're really cool when you're the up and coming indie band. But as soon as you've like actually got a song on the radio or you've made it or you've released an album and you become sort of a little bit more mainstream, you've sold out. And so there, there has become this sort of, uh, you know, inherent idea that you, to be a real creative, to be a real artist, you also have to be struggling. And so I think, I think there's just, again, intuitively, sometimes um, entrepreneurship and, and being an artistic creative person are on opposite ends. It's like, you know, can, can we meld together inspiration and financial independence? So, I mean, you have both qualities. Do you gravitate more to one side, to the other side? Are you finding that there's challenges that you're like, I know I have to focus on this because it's going to be better for my creative side or better for my business financially. How do you feel about that? How do you blend those two ideas together? So really, again, the most growth that I've seen in myself from from wanting and desiring more financial education and knowledge and strategy in the business has really come in the last year. And it's been, it's been years of me being like, I can do this. It's okay. I'm on, I don't need to ask for help. I don't need something, you know, I have an account. I have a really good accountant and that that'll be enough. And we all go through that, right? We like most oh, for sure. start that way. And they're like, we have to do everything. And that's often, you know, financially that makes the most amount of sense, but then you get to a breaking point. Absolutely. And I think for me that a game, one of the biggest game changers was surrounding myself with other women in business mm, Yeah, that had a keen eye for this and were, and also were able to say like, here's what we do. And here's, you know, sharing their tools and sharing insights and not being afraid for me, not being afraid to ask or be like, oh shit, like they really have, when are they going to figure out that I don't have my financial shit together? <laughs> you know, I'm like, they're going to X me out of this group in a hurry. But really it's changed my, um, so much so that my husband actually commented several months ago about how much my perspective has shifted because of just getting in conversation with other women and other female creatives and other you know artists in business essentially mm-hmm. right that are yeah um and that at the end of the day growth you've got to have those you've got to have an awareness for both as an owner right as a founder yeah um while you can have people in and help and helping do the heavy lifting you've really got to have an awareness of what's going on inside of your business mm-hmm. and what is going to create sustainable growth too you know yeah i uh i'd love to know one of your your biggest struggles of wearing both hats. I know for me, 
we, we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier. I mean, we dipped into sort of that world of creating accessories and, um, you know, I made a piece of clothing years ago. And I think as creative people, we get these ideas and we want to explore them. And I got to the point where I was just like, yeah, this is really great and really fun. But they just became these passion projects because they weren't making any money. Like, you know, let's talk about let's let's get real on this podcast right now. It's like, you really want one of those pillows that I made and you say, Oh my gosh, $200 for hand painted pillow. That's so expensive. But when you actually do the work back on this, you have to pay for the fabric. There's freight on the fabric. Then you have to pay somebody to cut the fabric for you and sew it for you. You have to pay for the zipper to go in there Then you have to pay for a down pillow fill or whatever. Then you have to hand paint it. You need to get your logo on there. You need to get packaging. Like by the time we do some of these projects, not only is there no margin left on the table, we, it, we're actually literally paying you to take this stuff off of us once in a while, right? And so I just got to the point where I was like, where is the best, like, where are the best places for me to invest my energy? Um, and it's not that I still don't want to do some of those things, but I don't think that the timing is right because you need scale with a lot of those things, right? You need a lot of scale. You need to be in a place where you can produce. You need to have a really good supply chain, really great manufacturers. And so I think that's that's always a challenge of balancing it. And so I just struggle with having like so many ideas. And now I'm like, Amanda, just don't do that because it's literally going to be a passion project. So, you know, mm. I, I guess for you, like, how do you, how do you balance that? Because I think passion projects are important, but you know, how, how do we approach some of these things where it's like, yeah, we're doing this for fun versus like at the end of the day, we have bills to pay and we have mouths to feed and we have a business that needs to, that needs to grow, right. It needs to mm -hmm. evolve. So, you know, how, where do you struggle with like wearing both those hats? How do you determine how you're going to move forward with something creatively? Yeah. I mean, it's really when we started parts and labor doing it, especially when you're doing everything locally, like you said, right. You're dealing with local yes. workers. You're not mass producing. I mean, nothing we do on, on the P and L side is more than usually like 50 pieces of the same item max. Yeah. Um, if, if not one of a kind. Right. So I had this sort of, you know, and, and very much that's such a special experience for people. I don't ever want it to feel like it's mass produced and you want it to feel like there's some level of uniqueness yeah. and exclusivity is maybe not the right word, but you know, that this, this one of 50 or one of 20, we did a custom run of jackets. And I mean, you're totally right. When you break it down, it's like, okay, this was a really great idea, but just when we got it right, if we were to do it again, maybe, but mm -hmm. am I there? You know, so it's, I, it's, bridging the two and marrying the two to complement each other. So on the PL side, we've got, you know, our ready to wear t-shirts, sweatshirts, all of that sort of thing. And then the custom jackets where we can really, it's a higher price point item. We can really spend mm. time creating an art piece with a client. And again, that's an investment that is one of a kind for a reason. Yeah. Um, but it's a real struggle for somebody that is naturally a bit illogical for me, just because it's, I, again, you have all these ideas and you want to create something that's really special and then I'll send it off to prototype and they're like, that's going to cost $600 a piece. And oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I was, you know? I was sharing, I was sharing the story with Jen previously for everyone who's listening to about how we designed these like super rad metal trays. And it was like, 
it was so ridiculous. It was like I had to buy thousands of them to get to the to the point where it's like it made sense to sell them. And so you start going like you almost have to reverse engineer things. Like this is how much it has to cost for me to even say yes to it. So you you said you're a bit illogical. So then my question for you is is like how do you balance that heart piece and the logic piece? How do you now make decisions um, without sacrificing the creative integrity that you have in goods, but then also recognizing like I got I have to make money off of this. Mm-hmm. We've just brought in um, a business development and business strategist on contract to work with us. That's mm-hmm. sort of what we've our focus has been this month, and she has a real respect for the vision, mm-hmm. but also is like that actually is not scalable. So we need to, and I mean, I'm, I, you know, seeing those things myself as I'm working through and also as you want to support manufacturing in your own city and, yeah. you know, people really love to support local. And again, it's like the, when the price point gets driven to a certain place, it's like actually every single pe- every single set of hands that was on this piece lives in this city, you know? I, yeah, so, you're bringing up a really good point. I think, and again, I'm generalizing, people say that they want to support local, but in the same breath, it's often that's too expensive. And I think, honestly, it's just you don't know what you don't know. It's a miseducation piece. Totally. Um, if people don't understand all of the things that will go into, say, a t-shirt that you make or one of the purses and, and understand that. Yeah, it might be outside of your snack bracket, but it doesn't make it expensive, right? Like if we're talking about purchasing local, you know, I was talking about this with 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 my team the other day is, and you experience this as a designer is, of course, we all say we want to support local, but we all still end up ordering things online. So, you know, we will sometimes get clients that will shop pieces of furniture from us. They'll buy it off of Wayfair or some other company. Um, not recognizing that by the time they convert USD to Canadian, by the time there's duties and freight and all of those things, that they were getting a better deal from us. Or let's even just say we were 5 or 10% more, but you're still supporting local versus some online company, right? Mm. So there's this real duality between this idea of supporting local, but then still choosing to purchase online. And I'm totally at fault for it because I purchase locally as well. But I mean, I love purchasing things from my bed you know, online. I mean, I just bought a t-shirt from you the other day from bed. I think I did a late night, like a a. 2am purchase the other day. You know, when you do that and then you don't remember (laughs) and Uh, then it arrives and you're like, when did I buy this? Yeah. There's a 20 inch disco ball uh, (laughs) sitting to the left of me right now that I bought the other night. And I bought the disco ball for my office, but now I actually think I might hang it in my house because it just, I don't know. I don't want it to leave. I think it's great. Yes. I'm coming over (laughs) when I am allowed. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, what I hear you saying is like, yeah, you guys are working on how you balance that right now. And it sounds like there's going to be some sort of reverse engineering in terms of like everything that you're doing, how are you going to scale it? And getting, getting reasonable and, and, you know, having a respect for that creative uniqueness, but also, you know, the staples that, that can help sustain the business throughout. So it's always, I mean, my husband is, very involved in in the business and he's a very logic numbers guy and so mm-hmm. and but also very creative and and I think can really see um my passion in the business and what my goals are as well and so you know as long as you can find people in your life that support that but can bring another perspective yeah that's I, that's the goal I'm I'm giggling a little bit because as you say parts and labor and you see you say 
PL, like all I can think in my head is is my PL statement, my profit and profit and loss <laughs> statement. Isn't that so funny? You've got your parts and labor, and then it also in the business, in my business mind, I'm like, oh, it's your profit and loss report. Mm. Mm-hmm. that's Gross. the merge that's the merge of heart <laughs> and logic right there <laughs> it's true so let's talk a little bit about work-life balance which I'm starting like I'm starting to kind of hate the phrase I get asked it all the time and and I don't personally sort of believe that when you love what you do that there's this idea of a 50-50 sort of work-life balance or split you know what did what is your take on this how do you approach um your work time versus your personal time. As you said, I think I loved what you said earlier on about, you know, movement and the sense of community and connection, because like you said, you can travel anywhere in the world and we are, we're all doing the same yoga poses. It's like, it's like a, it's a language movement is a bit of a language. And so I'm curious how you sort of carve out that time for yourself as somebody who is, you know, obviously very committed to connection and I think is a deeply spiritual person how do you balance that with your work right now? I feel like a long time ago, I gave up striving for this work-life balance. When people would ask me what I wanted to be like, balance. And I'm like, but what is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I did an interview for the studio like, yeah, six or seven years ago. And it was like, that's what I'm striving for, balance. For me, I think it's more like work-life integration and mm. and how you can build relationships within and outside, inside and outside of your business that fuel you in ways that it's, does that make sense that it's not in a business sense, but it's like, how can you experience relationship with your clients? How can you experience relationship with Mm. business colleagues? How can you experience relationship with that? Again, that don't drain you, but that fuel you. So setting those boundaries and expectations, of course. Um, And then for me, I think COVID has really made me realize what an introvert I actually am. And so this time for me to spend time with myself and just to really like, whether it's, taking a 15 minute meditation, taking one hour, taking one walk around the block just to clear my mind. For me, that, that just that separation of putting down my phone and getting outside or just moving my body in some way, or just coming back into my body, you know, um, is the key. So, and it's really just, yeah, integrating that flow and also letting myself off the hook if it's not perfect seven days a week. You know? Yeah, I think grace grace has been a has been a big word for me in the last year is extending grace to myself in those times that and COVID's been crazy. And so just just, you know, giving yourself a little bit of space to be like, that wasn't my best day or my best commitment to, you know, meditation, my best commitment to exercise, my best commitment to my friends. But that you get to wake up the next day and go, okay, here's a, just a new fresh opportunity to start something over again. And and I know for me I've found that like you, um, everybody thinks I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually quite introverted. I, I do like being social, but I really love my personal time too. And mm. and I always joke around. I'm like, what do people do in the evenings? Because I, I feel bad sometimes because I'm, I'm working. I'm doing air quotes right now. I'm working. Um, but ultimately, I'm doing business development, which is exciting and interesting to me. Or I'm writing a business book. And, you know, I guess it's what we, at the end of the day, derive pleasure from and enjoyment from and fulfillment from. And and so 
you know, I also watch my fair share of Netflix, but you know, in the evenings, I want to come home and I want to feel like I'm learning something. I think that's what is rewarding for me. And so I really loved your comment about integration, right? Is that, is that there is no longer this idea that like, work sits over here. And and to be fair, let's be fair, for some people, it does work sits over here. And it has to, right? And it has to, yeah. yeah, it has to, or they don't love what they're doing. And it's just not the right fit. And then personal sits over here. But for those of us, especially entrepreneurs, we're really passionate about what we do. You're right. It's it's I'm not sure how you separate the two. I think, I think if you're, um, you know, a connected person, you're always going to be thinking about how you connect people together, how you connect your businesses together, how you connect the community. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, in those moments for me, I think the moments of movement or like a 9pm, where I'm like, I feel completely reignited or have had, you know, a moment to sit down with no devices and eat a really good meal and then feel like I'm refueled and to put pen to paper and get, mm-hmm. like you said, get strategizing or, you know, writing some things down or I'll get out of a yoga class at early in the morning and just something that she might've said, the instructor might've said in the class that it's all, everything is always on. It's always on. Yeah. And yeah. it's always, I just don't feel like we can shut off. If you've cho- if you've made the right choice and if you're choosing to pursue something in life that you really truly love i don't know how it could be any different you know mm-hmm. yeah and and i think with that in mind you know you're, you're very active in the community how how do you decide where you're going to invest your time because i really do think that time is an investment and again not that it's all about money but i remember reading years ago that you should figure out what your hourly rate is right so that when you're determining what sort of um, after hours you know, opportunities you're going to take advantage of that lean or skew a little bit more business related, you you have to go like, what is this actually worth to me? What's my time worth to me? Um, where, How and where do you decide to invest your time? In the last 10 or 11 years that we've been back in Calgary, and even before that, people, you know, living overseas and, and the start of my career before we left um, for Europe is, I think about all of the people throughout the duration of my career that have taken a chance on me or that have mm-hmm. supported me in some way. And even in the last three years or in the last three months, the people that kind of come out of nowhere and you're like, holy crap, like that was incredible. Or that I've taken time to send a note or have made a purchase or, you know, hired us to work on their project. I mean, I think all of the the people that were involved in the growth of who I am today and have had, whether it was good lessons or not, right. Um, Or heartache or like heart fueling, whatever that is. But Mm. I just, I think when I go out into our community and see um, all of these kind of like maybe underdogs a little bit, or like people flying under the radar that are just so talented and just haven't had an, an ambitious and like ready afraid and haven't had an opportunity maybe directly put in front of them. That's like a blinking light that says start now, you know, Mm -hmm. or like go here um, or take a chance on them or take a risk on them. I think for me, it's aligning with those people that are, that see the bigger picture and that are sharing their like unique voice and gifts with the world. So Mm -hmm. 
and making a difference at the end of the day that's bigger than something that feels surface, I guess. You know, what's so interesting to me as, as, as your friend and, and looking at, at you from the outside in and, and what you just said is I also feel like you kind of just described yourself, which is, which is interesting to me. Like, I feel like you are so insanely talented. And I'm like, when somebody hasn't heard about you, I'm like, what do you mean you haven't heard about Jen Mahalko and Parts and Labor? Because I think what you're doing is so incredible. You're so wildly creative. You're doing something that no one else in our city is doing. You're taking these two ideas, this environments and this fashion, and you're really going for it. Like you, you've really fully invested in it. I see it show up in the way you communicate, you know, uh, via email, the way that you communicate on Instagram, um, all of your social platforms, just the way you show up in general in our community, there's a really uh, beautiful consistency between everything that you've created. But then at the same token, I feel like you've been going about it in a very quiet way. Mm -hmm. This is the record, the skipping record, Amanda. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the, you know, the human in us all, right? Is this, especially from a creative standpoint is I've spent many years showing up in community being like, I have an idea, but I'm not like who, where do I fit in? Right. And, and having moved a lot as a kid and, um, you know, who, who, and what do I need to be to make a difference here was always the question. And so I think, um, this last year has been a big one for me in terms of my personal really retreating and looking in and and really pushing myself to pass the fear of putting myself out there and putting yeah. my work out there and the the work that I know the best to be honest right the mm. having been in the in the design industry for so long and have garnered so much experience and wisdom from so many really talented people but just been under like living under the shadow of some, or, you know, just another company or another person or yeah. facil- like we said, facilitating work for somebody else mm-hmm. and being like, it's okay. I don't need to take project photos or, you know, signing NDAs because, and I mean that it's a very personal experience uh, creating a home and an environment for somebody. So being mindful of that. And then also just being ready to share what I know I'm really, really good at. Mm. Um, and in a business where I can no longer hide, right. And not that there's that I'm hiding in parts and labor, but it's not really, it's not about me. It's not about my team. It's about the message that we're putting out there that is intention to catalyze something bigger in the individuals that connect with us. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I can also exist that way on the environment side, that's, it's, it's about conversation and curiosity and it's what I have that I can add to the client or the homeowner that elevates where we're headed, you know? Yeah. So, but I think that's a scary, that's a vulnerable, a really vulnerable, scary thing. Right. And so, like Mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's totally fine living beneath the surface of my own skin, 100%, but very, very ready, but also knowing that you've got to do, you've got to do the work. And then you've also got to realize when you've done the work and you've got to like put one step in front of the other and move forward or one foot in front of the other and move forward. As, as uh, some, some closing advice, I think that you're um, so 
somebody who has learned some really incredible rituals and habits and practices, practices these rituals and habits, um, you know, when you see yourself sort of balance slipping, or maybe when things aren't focused, so that you can recenter, I'd love just sort of a, you know, last, last little gift to everybody who's listening is, you know, what are some of the rituals and habits that you've developed that have really helped you to thrive, I think, as a human being, as an entrepreneur, and as a creative person? Mm-hmm. At the moment, um, we've got a rule, an, an 8 p.m. rule in the house that no devices after 8 p.m. And it, I'm always the one that bends the rules when I've got like a big <laughs> idea or I've really just not had to, God, you know, like you said, not every day is perfect, but if, if yeah. we put the intention there and just work towards it and if five to seven out of seven days were I'm following the rules and that's good. Um, and then also a sweat before devices in the morning. I got in a really bad mm. habit of like opening my eyes and going right for my phone and like just digging in literally from like, I mean, it's not it, not healthy by any means. And so like what at what state of mind are you answering good questions or returning emails at 5.30 or 6 in the morning when you've just like blinked your eyes open. So no, uh, sweating before devices. And I think over the years, I've loosened my grip on what sweating means and, and what mm. moving my body means where it used to be, I had to kill myself and it had to be like an hour of gut wrenching. I'm dead on the floor, like still at my max heart rate after I've gotten out of the shower. And really for me, if I can make it to my mat and spend 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I mean, there's so many options virtually right now where you can just, yeah, you know, carve that time. You can just roll out of bed and roll into a sacred space in your house to move your body for that amount of time and, and be really efficient. So really for me, that's, it's enabled me to remove the excuses and I have time. There's always time. I just have to choose. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. I've been doing that sort of 8 PM, not totally getting off the devices, but like shutting it down. Like the computer gets shut down and, you know, I head up to, I head upstairs to do a meditation and stretch and light a candle and put the humidifier on and, and again, create this like beautiful bedtime ritual. Um, and I love the no devices. So I totally roll over and check my email. It's like, I, I feel like I need to, I need to review my calendar. I need to make sure like nothing came in overnight. That's going to disrupt my day is it's like, I, you feel this anxiety to get started, but I love that. And I did that today. I literally rolled out of bed and onto my spin bike. I just got a spin bike yesterday. And so I was like, 20 minutes, you have 20 minutes. And it was great. And, you know, you're right, there's a really big difference between being able to commit to 10 to 15 minutes or 20 minutes. That's really easy. You can find that time in your day. Sometimes you can't always find an hour. Or let's be honest, you don't want to do an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's again, it's going back to that idea of having a bit of grace and, and just kind of allowing yourself some space. I love that. Um, I feel like Jen, you and I could obviously talk forever and ever and ever, but I so appreciate your time and your energy today. It's always lovely to connect with you. Um, you're one of my favorite people on the planet. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited to see um, where parts and labor goes, PL. And of course, I'm, I'm super stoked to see environment and, and what you're doing there. You've given me a little bit of a sneak peek, but I'm excited for your uh website launch. Tell everyone where they can find you and Parts and Labor as an environment. Mm-hmm. So Parts and Labor is um, Parts and Labor underscore Inc on Instagram. 
um, Environments Design Studio on Instagram and partsandlabor-inc.com. Know you, which is the best and worst decision I ever made. <laughs> and environmentsdesignstudio.com. Yeah, it's painful, but we're committed. So here we are. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Jennifer. Mm, thank you. Love you. As always, thank you so much for joining us today on the After Hours podcast. If you want to keep up to date with all of our crazy adventures or subscribe to the podcast, feel free to check us out at amandahamilton.ca. 